You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. We are back. That's new. That's new. Welcome to the show. I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dollamore. And across from me is Brittany Page. A less tomato-y version. Less tomato-y version. It's faded a bit. We are back. Like a stealthy movie killer in a sequel. Mm. Somehow we're back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You know, like... Like, what were those terrible... Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. But what were those terrible movies? Like Scream? God damn it. That's exactly the movie I was thinking of. With the mask? Yes. With the mouth? And weren't they like... Wasn't one of the sequels like they were supposed to be a fucking copycat or something? They weren't the original killers? I didn't... I don't think I've seen the first Scream. I've never seen those movies. It had Courtney Cox in it. Courtney mm-hmm. Cox. Yes, Cox. Sorry. I think is what you meant there. Sorry. Um yeah, I, I, I didn't watch those movies. Mm, cinematic triumphs. I bet. Yeah. So we're back anyway. 657-464-7609. If you would like to share some thoughts with us over the phone, we would love to incorporate your voicemail into the show. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. If you are either an Android or an iPhone user, we are also on Facebook, like every human being on the planet. You could live in the slums of Calcutta, and I'm sure they're on Facebook. Maybe not. Nah. Nah. I was shaking my head, but then, that doesn't work of on course, the podcast. Of course, also Twitter. And I've been told, I've, some people have communicated this to me, that we. Ne- I've had people tell me they didn't even know we had a website. So if you go to dollamore.com, all our episodes are available there. As well as a link to Amazon if you'd like to buy a book or if you'd like to make a purchase on Amazon. If you're going to do it anyway, go to dollamore.com, find the link, search for it, and purchase it through there. And it will support, in a small way, the show. So now we're going to be begging you. (laughs) Not only do I want you to, to rate and review the show, which would be wonderful on iTunes, and there is something to be said about that. If you've already reviewed the show and you don't see your review there it's probably because you use profanity in your review not allowed and apparently itunes they are prudish about curse words yes so don't fucking cuss yes despite the fact that the content of our show is adult themed maybe not adult themed we just talk about it like adults yes uh they don't like that shit on their page no naughty words so just pretend you're me when you're reviewing. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> Just uh, don't rain on iTunes parade. Exactly. As Brittany would say. Yeah. Or as Brittany would say, when you take, when you, when you, I'm fucking it up. When you write the review, make sure you're taking care of biz. Yes. <laughs> but please, uh, that and the uh, Amazon link would be wonderful and helpful. And we would love you and be your best friend. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So a little news. 
news. News. Other than the news we'll get to later, Brittany filled out an employment survey today. I did. Well, no, no, I guess it's not really an employment survey, is it? It's it's more of a a personality test as a requisite to apply for the job. Yeah, they called it a talent assessment, and <laughs> that was misleading. Like a casting couch. Yeah, they said it was going to be a 40-minute assessment, but of course, I work faster than average people, and it mm. took me about half the time. Mm-hmm. And mm. see, mm. this is the kind of personality trait they were trying to find in that test, right? They're trying to weed out, I think you mean. <laughs> No, but they are very complicated because they ask you a variety of questions in a variety of ways to try to make sure that you're answering the same way in each variation of the question. Little do they know you are degreed in psychology and educated in psychology and have taken classes relative to... Psychological testing. Putting these exact kind of things together. Yeah, but that doesn't make me an expert in this particular assessment, but it it makes me more stressed out probably. I I can attest to this. I can attest to that, exactly that right there. You were stressed the fuck out. (laughs) It was making me very anxious because there was a time limit. Listen, you were making me anxious. You were so fucking freaked out. It was 20 seconds per question. And you had to read a statement, and the first section of it was you had to select your level of agreement or disagreement, and then the second section was, I think, yes or no, and then there was a third section. You, uh, I can say this, because I, I was watching from, from afar. You weren't supremely freaked out until you realized there was a time limit. When, yeah. w- once you weren't able to really sit and noodle each question relative to the ones you'd previously answered and thinking about what you might be answering in the future, once they cut you off and said, yeah, you didn't answer that quick enough, you're done with that question. Yeah. You, you started losing it. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't like timetables. Like when I took the GRE for graduate school, they have the time limit that's counting down in the <laughs> upper right-hand corner of your screen. And I think it's 15 to 20 minutes per section, depending on where you are in the test. And when you get down to the last five minutes in every section, it starts flashing. And it is the worst thing that has ever happened to me, trying to work on my last few questions while the five minutes is flashing at me, letting me know, hey, you're about to fail and everything's going to be ruined for you. Yeah. Your life hangs in the balance. Exactly. <laughs> you need to do good or your life is over. But I didn't feel so much like that with this test, although, you know, the timing thing freaked me out. But you just want to be be sure that you're answering the questions in a way that makes you look good. I think everybody does that. Even though something may not be true. I mean, it, it was kind of hard to judge how you should answer certain questions you know, you want to look like a team player. You don't want to look too independent. You know what I mean? And even yeah, though I am yeah. kind of in the middle, I can be a team player. I am very independent. It still, it looks bad to be like extreme on those things. What's odd about these these personality tests where it relates to a requisite to uh, employment, to, to hiring someone, is they some companies put a lot of stock into these. Um most of you will be familiar with the name Brett, uh, Brett McAfee, uh, regular contributor to the show. Pew boy caller. Uh, yeah, he was our pew boy caller. Uh, that would be a horrible nickname if it started sticking. Yes. <laughs> I don't, 
I don't reckon Brett would be too kind. He, he wouldn't receive that too kindly. No. So Brett was uh, applying for a job, and in in the midst of of the, of the process, and they presented him with one of these personality tests. So he goes through. I'll probably fuck the story up, but I'm sure we'll maybe get a voicemail and he'll unfuck the story. And so Brett takes the test and gets told that he's uh, he's not they're they're not going to hire him because of the result of the test that he was a maverick or whatever the the words they use I believe it was maverick or lone wolf or something like that. Well, Brett was distraught, and Brett's a real cerebral guy, and he <laughs> very was bothered that it was this personality test that he didn't get hired because of, and that something was wrong with him, therefore they weren't going to hire him because of that. Like, he had a deficiency. So he obsessed on this for a long time, or, or I don't know how long, but he he researched what test it was, did enough research to find out the individual who was responsible for developing this test, some doctor at some university, he tracks the doctor down, the professor, and proceeds to call him. He gets a hold of the professor and has a long conversation with the guy about why the test would have excluded him from employment. And the professor actually gave him some very good, very useful, consul- gave him some solace about not... He explained to Brett that the personality test isn't just for the company to find out who would be good at the job, but it's for the prospective employee, too, to let them know that, you know, the job probably wouldn't be for for him. Yeah. So he he left with a little bit more ah, relief, uh, a little bit more relieved than when he first called. But I guess the moral of the story is Brett is an obsessive fucking weirdo who tracked someone down like a dirty, filthy stalker and... Well, I think that's fine. He found the professor who created the scale, and that's kind of cool, I think. Well, I'm teasing. Obviously, it shows... You hate his guts, we know. It it shows a a great degree of stick-to-itiveness and resolve. Stalker. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, uh, yeah. So, I guess, uh, moving on, in the news, I don't know if you've heard this story, but a man... And I'm using the term very loosely. He is a hashtag nerd turd software programmer, not to impugn the integrity or manliness of other software programmers who might be listening to the show. But man is suing a stripper for cash. And the news, the news, news. is saying Harry Potter videos. But I think what they're doing is trying to really point to this guy being a Fucking nerd turd. Yeah, he's kind of a dingbat, it seems. Well, he's just... I mean, nerd turd just embodies everything about him. When you watch the video, which we posted on the Facebook page, but we, even when you listen to him, you expect him to ha- to be wearing a retainer and talking about, uh, oh my gosh, she she needs to give me my, my Harry Potter videos back. It's kind of sad. It's, well, I guess if you really want to analyze it, it's sad, but... He's a turd. His name's Robert Wallace, and like Jesse said, he works as a software developer, and he thought he was in a dating relationship with exotic dancer Nomi Mims. I think that's her her stage name. Right. She's very attractive. 
I love that uh, the reporter in the... No, the, you're not going to comment on how attractive she is? I was getting ready to. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love that the reporter in one of the clips that we play r- calls her statuesque. Yeah, that's one way to describe her. Yeah. According to Robert Wallace, he loaned Mims about $2,000, a laptop, and his Harry Potter DVD collection, among other videos. I think they said 40 videos or something. Yes. And they broke up on May 3rd, he says. According to him, yeah. And he waited for a week for her to return the items because he knows how stubborn she can be. (laughs) So... There's two clips. There were two, the Fox affiliate in Houston, where they're from, and then the other the other network affiliate, local affiliate. They both did interviews with Nomi and what's his name? Robert Wallace. And Robert Wallace, the nerd turd. And uh, <laughs> there was just too much great shit in both clip to play either one. So we're going we're gonna to play them both for you. I have had situations in the past where customers have followed me home. I've had to move twice, uh, switching gyms, switching jobs. But having a customer sue her is a first for the statuesque dancer who calls herself Nomi. He was becoming a regular, and we did become friends. I really like him as a friend, and I still do. We had a dating relationship, and... Uh, on May 3rd, I, we had broken up. Robert Wallace says he loaned the dancer about two grand, and he wants it back along with a laptop and some DVDs. I don't believe in loans because I don't want to pay anybody back. I know how stubborn she can be, so after a week of waiting for, for her to return my things, uh, I decided to file uh, a suit to get my stuff back. Since the word loan doesn't seem to be in Nomi's vocabulary, and Robert says the cash and other items were not gifts, it looks like an out-of-court settlement is out of the question. I've given him gifts, too. You know, I mean, how do I get my booty and boobs back? Still, both sides say they've learned a lesson. Robert says he's not dating any more strippers. I kind of did kind of see it possibly ending this way. And Nomi says there's no such thing as refunds, exchanges, or rain checks when strippers are involved. No refunds in a strip club. I've even had people come up in there asking, oh, can he get a dance and they'll pay me back next week? We ain't got no layaway plans either. What a highly educated and classy woman. I, I think the word class embodies everything about her exactly that that is an all-encompassing word the ubiquitousness or if that's a word or is it ubiquity (laughs) it's she's very classy yes extremely classy unquantifiably classy and what we mean by that is that she's not classy and it's not a it's not a regular regular kind of class it's it's an extra special kind of class, Brittany. These poor nerd turds who... It's the same people that when I, unfortunately, go to Hooters and I sit at the bar and I watch these nerd turds like hitting on these girls and they are not interested in you. They are walking around in those outfits, making minimum wage and trying to get tips yeah. from nerd turds yeah. that are super into them. And this guy's the same way. He's going to a strip club. He like is paying for the attention because he probably can't get attention anywhere else. And then he romanticized whatever this was into something that it wasn't because he doesn't understand social cues and stuff or whatever. Well, it's not even social cues. Strippers are very adept at making you feel special. Yeah. And I'm sure 
he really felt like something was up that yeah. she was into him. Yeah. And I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past the situation that they weren't having some kind of sexual relationship. Well, I think he says that in well, one of the He says clips. it, but I it's not out of the realm of, of realism for me. Yeah. Uh, I love that but he says, but I'm I'm not dating any more strippers. Okay. Well, you're probably not dating any more women for a long long time there, guy. Yeah. Why why don't people naturally know to stay away from strippers? Isn't that just something that people know you don't date strippers? It would seem like a predatory type of relationship. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. But, you know, she doesn't... Clearly, she's telling the truth because she doesn't believe in loans, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> I bet she's not it. in debt at all. She doesn't believe in them. Yeah. Despite the fact that loans are something that exist. Yeah. <laughs> So we're gonna play. We're gonna play the other affiliate, who did almost as bang up a job as as the Fox affiliate. Um, they got a little. They got a little more detail from Robert Wallace. Yeah, he actually in this clip explicitly says that they had sex. I've heard a stripper suing customers, but never a customer suing a stripper. The dancer from Treasures was served court papers from a man she calls a customer and friend who wants his gifts and money back. And I put the price tag on myself. Like, what are you going to do, try to get, you don't like the boobs and the booty, you don't like the way, what, what this, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Now meet Robert Wallace, the man who says he was much more than a strip club patron. We were going out and we were uh, intimate. I mean, we, you know, we, we had sex. We, we were building a future together. The 32-year-old software developer says he let her borrow electronics and dozens of popular movies, including all of the Harry Potter DVDs. He even gave her a credit card, but claims the agreement was for her to give it all back. The things that I'm suing over are money that she said that she, she would pay back to me and items that were mine that I let her borrow. Nomi still has that car. It is shiny. It ain't girl. She got some miles on her. And is now being sued for a laptop, about 40 DVDs, and $1,800. But now that I have to go to court to get my stuff back, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it to a judge to, to decide about the money. Nomi admits she might owe him an apology for giving him the wrong idea about their relationship, but nothing else. No refunds in the strip club. I don't know how many times I got to tell people that. You don't get your money back here. And that, you could say, is her bottom line. It's so apparent that he's a nerd turd when after he says that they had sex, he does a little... <laughs> well, he, that, the, the little giggle is, is very telling. But then also, he goes, you know, uh, it, we, we, we had an intimate relationship. I mean, I mean, we had sex. Hey, guy, we know what you meant. <laughs> Everybody else who's actually had sex, they know what intimate means. So, yeah. So if you're wondering, <laughs> if you're actually wondering what uh, what what your take should be in this, it's uh, or how this is going to go down, the judge is going to tell this guy to fuck straight off for sure. Yeah, because even if they're going off of his admission. The, the the nerd turds admission that they were dating what boyfriend loans his girlfriend money that that, that just doesn't happen right i don't know i could see like oh yeah i left my dvds over at her place and i want them back that's kind of something i could understand but yeah i'm gonna here all right girlfriend i'm gonna write you a check for eighteen hundred dollars 
and I expect it paid back, and we're going to make monthly installments. It's- well, you don't hand your girlfriend the credit card, and yeah. then, okay, we're going to work out payment arrangements yeah, after yeah, you yeah. charge to the credit card. No, you were giving her the credit card and letting her go shopping or whatever happens, you know? So now that he's heartbroken and figured out that uh, she was playing him, he wants his cash back. Yeah. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Especially in Texas. Yeah. So. Good luck, Robert Wallace. You silly cracker. Stay away from strippers. (laughs) In more mm, sobering news, I guess I would say. Not sobering because it's an alcohol. This isn't like a news program where we, we tease the story with some weird double entendre pun. Uh, there's a Montana psychiatrist who has been reinstated after a conviction and prison term for possessing child pornography. Yes, he says, I was a good psychiatrist before. I will be a better one now. His name is Dr. James H. Peak, and he's 52 years old. He had petitioned the state board of medical examiners to reinstate his license since January. Reinstatement of his license comes with a string of conditions, including that he practice psychiatry only with patients 18 or older, that he provide every patient with a declaration of who he is and what he has done, and that he limit his practice to 30 hours of on-site work per week. He was a child and adolescent psychologist, I mean, psychiatrist. The distinction there, just for people who don't know, is he is a medical doctor and can write prescriptions for medications. And psychologists, that's not their role. They don't have a medical degree. They typically have a PhD and not an MD. And so he was a child and adolescent psychiatrist. Now he can only practice with people who are adults, 18 or older. But the fact remains that he served less than 10 months in a Seattle federal prison after pleading guilty in August 2011 to possessing child pornography. He had been employed as a child and adolescent psychiatrist at a Billings clinic since 1994. So that's over 10 years that he had been working with children and got caught possessing child pornography. Yeah. So this isn't alleged. None of this is alleged. He was he's a convicted I wouldn't call him a pornographer because I don't know that he made the pornography, but he he was convicted of possessing pornography. Yes. Using it for his sexual gratification. Yes. Now, he did an interview, a pretty long interview, from which we pulled some clips. And what strikes me is this fucking Jagoff never apologizes for possessing the porn. He never fesses up he well, actually never says child my my interest in children he 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 sugarcoats everything and makes everything just a little bit more palatable than it is i have i had uh i had struggled with sexual addiction for many decades and was painfully aware of how I was letting down my community and and my profession and my family. And so he is referring to it as sexual addiction. Look, Dr. Peak, 
you're not David Duchovny. You're a filthy predator of children. You're not just letting down your family or your community. You're contributing to the production of videos and pictures that involve the rape and effective torture of children. You're not some kind... Don't try to mitigate this into a way, shift this into some kind of a way that you're less than you are. You need... ten, Ten months in prison is drastically less than it should be. And yet I did not know how to get any help for it. I didn't know where to get help for it. And I just did not have the physical courage to go to someone and say, this is my problem. I think that's really unfortunate because, I mean, it would be difficult to realize that you have this attraction toward children and you have to go in and in order to get help for it, you have to tell somebody and you have to admit that to somebody. That's embarrassing. This is a delicate issue. And I'm I'm not, I don't think it's as black and white as some people would make it that he made a choice to... He's just a pervert who loves to be, fuck kids or something. There's, there is a, a switch that slipped off or flipped on in his brain that shouldn't be. Yeah, there's something wrong with him. Absolutely. And so, and so there's a level of compassion there. But where there is an issue is that he needs to take responsibility, just like he's claiming he has a sex addiction. Okay, even though we don't agree with that, let's let's go with that angle. Drug addicts have a responsibility when they are sober to remain abstinent from using substances being in situations that are going to contribute to using substances right they have to take responsibility once once they are taught coping mechanisms and once they are taught how to understand their addiction and then their tr- it, and their triggers yeah then it becomes something that that they need to be responsible for well it's he it, should have took responsibility for what he understood was a problem but that's that's what i was just going to say it's that if anybody is going to understand it's a psychiatrist a, not only a medical doctor, but someone with an intensive understanding of the brain and how it works. Yeah, and he should have realized that the best way to prevent him from victimizing children because of his attraction is to get help for it, to talk about it, to tell somebody. That's what's the most bullshit about this, or about this clip, because there's a lot more bullshit to come. It's that he didn't know where to go for help. He didn't. He didn't know. Obviously, he didn't have enough courage. He says that. I think that's clearly true. But you didn't know where to fucking go, Dr. Peek? You're a psychiatrist. If that's the case, then you were doing all of your patients a disservice, not only because of your fucking existence, but for the fact that you're not, if you're not smart enough to know where to go for yourself for help, how are you helping those under your charge? I think, well, he just makes a lot of excuses, and that's just an excuse. Right. Well, He's saying means... he didn't know where to go. He means that he, he can't just say, you know, I didn't handle this in the right way. Well, I didn't do what I needed to do. Not being completely honest means he's not completely contrite. It, there's no level of contrition here. There's no true apology. You know, I had struggled with being attracted to younger people since I was 15 or 16, and you know, no one picks an addiction your your addiction picks you and I sure didn't pick one that I knew people would hate uh, but it kind of was there 
Yeah, like there are addictions that people love. Oh, oh, you're a heroin addict? Ah, I fucking love heroin addiction. It's so wonderful. And also, the fact that he's lessening, he's using these these terms that I was attracted to younger people. Not children, not innocent children who were victimized in the production of your child pornography, your vile rape images of rape and terrible horrible images it's 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 not that it's other younger people well someone who is 25 and someone who is 50 the 25 year old is a younger person to them let's let's use the right terms here and don't try to get credit for something that you don't deserve also no one chooses their addiction so that's i don't know why he's even using that language of course he didn't choose you know his attractions i guess it's you know something's wrong with him well he's just trying to someone who's truly apologetic is not just gonna spend all of their time trying to garner sympathy from the audience well and that's the thing it's just another excuse and uh so um i knew i i was fortunate enough by the grace of god to have good upbringing and you know i knew i would not be sexual with others i'm one of those strange people who've been sexual with two adult people, two adult women my whole life. That's my whole life history. Interestingly, a sexual addict often is ner- nervous about that because we know that our, we know that we're off. You know, I knew I, I knew there's something wrong with me. I knew there's something wrong with me, and I knew I could never tell anyone. Um, that's how I felt. That's the other unfortunate thing because there is such a stigma surrounding these people that are child predators, rightfully so, frankly. And, and that's what they are. They're, he's a predator. But, you know, it's unfortunate for someone like that who probably wants to get help before they start lashing out at people. And they, you know, I kind of feel for him in that way because he probably realized early on, this is not normal, but what am, uh, am I going to tell someone about this? I'll get killed, you know? So I kind of feel bad for him in that regard. But at the same time, like I said he should have taken responsibility. He says he was raised right. Listen, he he understood that he was having an issue. Then you go and you figure it out. You go talk about it. You go tell somebody, listen, there's something wrong with me. I'm attracted to things I shouldn't be attracted to. I'm scared that I'm going to eventually right. act out on this, and I don't want to. It's not like he doesn't know experts in the field. He probably personally knows people that he can go to who are sci- men and women of science who understand what's going on in his brain the best that we know and can help him. Well, and that's the other alarming thing to me is that he chose to go into the field of child and adolescent psychology. Right. I mean, there's so many different fields within psychology that he could have chose. But being a child predator, he went and wants to work with child children and adolescents. I it's, don't It's the Sunda- it's the the Sandusky way of doing things. You what you like raping boys? Let's start a charity where we have a football camp for young boys. It's He's picking his targets. I would be so fearful and enraged if I found out that my child psychiatrist turned out to be possessing child pornography. I would feel like he had been victimizing my child even if nothing ever happened. Because he should be held to a higher standard and charged with a higher level of responsibility because of his duty. Because of what he does. First, do no harm. That's exactly right. So, 
he also keeps talking about a sex his sexual addiction. I'm a sexual addict. That no, you're that's he's I think he's mischaracterizing, even clinically, I think he's mischaracterizing his 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 quote unquote aff- affliction. And that actually went along okay. Um until I till till the internet. Then because before that, you know, there might be a TV show or a movie on that I might watch, um, but I don't think I was doing anything illegal. But the internet came, and I found myself watching or looking at, at uh, pornography, including some with underage people, and I um, hated it, but I was also attracted to it. Notice one thing he did there. He caught himself. I just noticed that. I've listened to this video, this audio a lot. And he caught himself when he said watching to, he switched it to looking at yeah. the material. Because if you're watching something, that would indicate that it's video and it's children actively being fucking victimized, raped and tortured, vile, vile things. These kids' lives are being ruined as a direct result of his proclivities. Uh, this is super heavy, but um, well, this guy's practicing medicine again. Yeah, I understand. It's just that's it's just really upsetting. But it's really annoying to me that he's being reinstated with his license when it's evident he refuses to take responsibility for any of this. He he's also- he's blaming everything. He's blaming everything on the internet. Yeah, he's, he's saying. The internet came around, and well, how could I help myself? It's yeah. the internet. The internet gave me access. Come on, come on, guy. You know that that's that's illogical. It's you making the choice. Still, it's not mm-hmm. the internet presenting. When I log onto my computer, uh, child pornography doesn't just pop up because yeah, of the internet. That's exactly I have the right. internet on my laptop, <laughs> yeah, and it's not just popping up. So you actively went and you found it. Well, he also referred to them as underage people. Again. Again. Before before he, he called them younger people, this time he calls them underage people. He keeps using the people thing, which would, in my mind, I mean, we have the commonality of language. People, when you think of people, you think of adults, older people. When, when you think of children, you think of children. They're not, I mean, the, technically they are people. They are, but they are, you know, they are, they're children. They're not people. They're not adults. And he keeps using these terms to mitigate the harm that he's done. Well, and don't kid yourself. He is responsible. He may not have filmed the rape and torture of children, but because he sought it out, he created and maintained a demand for it. And because of him and others like him, it gets made. It's true. Yeah. The reason why I'm kind of glad to do this interview is it does give me, you know, I am, I am, the, the worst thing about it, the worst thing about it for me wasn't going to jail or even the worst, I am painfully aware that I let down my patients, I let down my colleagues, I let down the mental health community. You know, I, I had many, many patients who I uh, cared deeply about and who I think I had a good relationship with, and then I just disappeared. I fell off the face of the earth. So when he says patients... He's a child and adolescent psychologist, psychiatrist. Who am I? Um, and <laughs> well, it's what you're going to be. So it's in your head, psychologist. His patients are children, 
So I think in a roundabout way, because he can't take responsibility mm. for anything. We disagree on this point, but go ahead. Because he can't take responsibility for anything. That's obvious. He's doing it here in the best possible way that he can, even though it's not enough. I'm just saying it's yeah. his attempt to try to do that, talking about it in a roundabout way, saying he let down his patience. And he said he would like to apologize to people, but there's obviously people he can't apologize to. And I think maybe just reading between the lines that he's talking about children. Mm. You know, I wish I wish I heard that when I heard that clip. I wish that's what filtered through, but that's that's not what I hear. I hear that the worst thing about it, the worst thing about his conviction and him getting caught and him being convicted and sentenced to prison was that he was all of, all of a sudden yanked away and he disappeared off the face of the earth and he wasn't able to treat his patients who had very serious issues that needed treating. I... I I wish that I felt the way you do and I was hearing it the way you do. And you're actually probably right based on your education and training in this particular field of the mind and psychology. Well, but, I'm, I'm just reading between the lines. I'm reading what I hope he's saying. Well, because I hope that he feels a level of responsibility that he just can't say with his mouth, maybe because he can't believe what he's done or something. Well, I my, don't know what's in his head. My whole point is if he can't say it with his fucking mouth, then he is not, well, I don't think he is worthy of a medical license to practice psychiatry ever again. He violated the trust of those for whom he was put there to serve. And fuck him. You, you never get that back again. Well, the, Walmart the greeter for the rest of your life, and I don't think that's a harsh punishment. It's not like, listen, and I don't think it's like uh, Donald Sterling. In his case, I believe that taking his team away for life is a little harsh. This guy, being a racist, that's not a crime. You're a dick and you're a piece of shit, but it's not a crime. Actively promoting and facilitating the rape and torture of children is the worst crime. I, there's almost no crime worse. So never again. Walmart greeter for the rest of your life. And the thing that's most concerning for me is that he is unwilling to take responsibility because yeah. that's the first step to healing and to understanding and coping. And in these fields, psychiatry, psychology, you know, they're, people are known for being wackos. It's always the joke, right? That they're a little <laughs> nutty. But they're actually charged with being mentally healthy. You know, they tell you to enroll in therapy when you go to graduate school so you can work through issues and also so you can get a taste it, of therapeutic it's, it's, yeah, techniques. It's not just to tell you. It's, it's a requirement. It's a requisite. And so he should have done work on himself. But he obviously didn't do that. And that's what's concerning is, well, he's supposed to be helping people when he's unwilling to take responsibility for his actions. And he's unwilling to realize he has a problem and then work on it. And you're going to be helping people with what? Things you are unable to do? That's, or, or unwilling to. And I don't, I don't see how that's beneficial for anybody. You know, and I, I, you know, I can never apologize for that enough. And I feel bad about that. Every day. So one good thing about this interview is, is I, you know, if 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 you could put one thing in there, there there are two things I'd like you to put in there. If you can't, there's one. Again, I apologize to all those people from the bottom of my heart. And this is when he starts choking up. 
and he starts again it's the the continued apology but he's not apologizing to the right people you, you don't need to apologize to your patients you don't need to apologize to the community you don't need to uh, apologize to the your your psychiatric colleagues that's not who you need to apologize to you need a contrite honest earnest apology to those you actually did harm to the children who were forced in the videos you were watching so gleefully. Those are who you need to apologize to. And you don't need your license to practice medicine again. You need, I mean, he needs to be some kind of a silent advocate against what he promulgated. That would actually be great if he could go in, be in some kind of organization. I know there's organizations that work to rehabilitate people before they offend that have these proclivities. And he and, use his, his specific skill set to better. And his story. Yes. The fact that he knew he had an issue and he didn't come forward and look what happened. I'm not saying he go work. With, it's not like the, the, the judge who sentenced the, the rapist to community service at a rape crisis center. I'm saying he needs to help other molesters, other possible offenders and, and, and molesters. offenders in this particular crime and help them with his skill set cuz he he's a highly educated individual. But that's still concerning to me cuz he's still unwilling to take responsibility. I mean that's that's the well, whole that's, thing that's an issue for me because how is he going to be helping anybody when he won't take responsibility? You can't even talk about it openly and honestly. You got caught for possessing child pornography. Say that and apologize right. for that. Well, it's not even possessing. It's watching. It's it's not like he was just casually, well, you know, sometimes I like to look at it. It's, it's, he's, he's a wretched, terrible human being who acted on these terrible impulses. With all the education he has rattling around in his fucking head, he did what he did. Do you think you will ever get to the point where you stop apologizing for what you did? I mean, no, I just... I mean, I, the, that, the awful thing about... I think I, I have gotten... I mean, again, I, I don't want to be, sound pathetic, because everyone I've asked for forgiveness for, I have gotten it. But the hard thing for me is I can't ask, you know, the people I want to for, ask for forgiveness from, I, I can't. You know, obviously, I mean, what do I, what do I mean? I mean, my patients and my family, those are the number, I mean, those are the people, you know, I'm much better than I used to be, but this is a long, it's a long process. I mean, I'm, pain, I'm so painfully aware of the fact that a lot of my patients had been let down by adults and kind of felt betrayed and you know and when i'm in a when i'm in a bad mood when i'm in a, my bad place i become another one of those people which is uh, very difficult um, but then the other part of me does know that i did the best i and i think i did more i am getting better at thinking i did more good than bad i mean i think i helped more people i hope i did even there he's unwilling to take responsibility he says and he's not using the word victimization but he's saying that he was dealing as a child and adolescent psychiatrist with many children and adolescents who had been victimized by adults that they couldn't trust he and that when let, he's a, he said let down by adults i know I'm, I'm using victimized okay, this sorry, is the sorry. word that he should have been using sorry and then he goes on to say that when he's in a bad place he becomes like that and yeah. he's using very, you know, vague phraseology. And it's, you also were victimizing them. 
because you have a proclivity and attraction to them that you were not dealing with, yet you were still helping and being in the room with these kids. And who knows what the hell he's into and what he really is attracted to. And if he was attracted to something happening in the room while he's trying to help them. I mean, I don't know. But the best apology here is for him to be honest for him to really stop beating around the bush about what he is and what he did, about the victimization that he has caused, and just use that word. You're a victimizer. You victimized people. Just yeah. say it. Yeah. Listen, it, very heavy, very shitty. Um, and for everybody's knowledge, when you go look at the article, I think you might be shocked that he doesn't have a mustache. He must have shaved it off, right? For sure he did. <laughs> So, Dr. Peak, the state of Montana, both of you should be absolutely ashamed. Fucking ashamed of yourself. Uh, Montana, for one, for reinstating this horrible person. And Dr. Peak, for having not committed suicide while in prison. Or not uh, submitted yourself to very uh, in-depth scientific research of your brain and what is going on inside your head. That's really what he should be doing, is allowing them to MRI scans and really get to the bottom of what is going on inside his head and what the, the triggers and the causes and the genetic makeup of to figure out, you know, what what's going on. Anyway, we'll move on. L let's let's actually stay in the psychological realm because there is a new a new study out or new research or new data relative to just how many toddlers, well, I'm not talking about six, seven, eight, ten, twelve year olds, how many three year olds are on um, ADHD types of medication? Yeah, more than 10,000 American toddlers, two or three years old, are being medicated for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, outside of established pediatric guidelines, according to data presented on Friday by an official at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Yeah. The fix is in. This, I mean, this is fucking cronyism and a mafia mentality to, I, I would say, line the pockets of, of, of pharmaceutical companies. The report, which found that toddlers covered by Medicaid are particularly prone mm, to being put on medications such as Ritalin and Adderall, is among the first efforts to gauge the diagnosis of ADHD in children below age four. The American Academy of Pediatrics Standard Practice Guidelines for ADHD do not even address the diagnosis in children three and younger, let alone the use of such stimulant medications because their safety and effectiveness have barely been explored in that age group. Dr. Lawrence H. Diller, a behavioral pediatri pediatrician in Walnut Creek, California, said in a phone interview, people prescribing to two-year-olds are just winging it. It is outside the standard of care, and they should be subject to malpractice if something goes wrong with a kid. Friday's report was the latest to raise concerns about ADHD diagnoses and medications for American children beyond what many experts consider medically justified. Last year, a nationwide CDC survey found that 11% of children ages 4 to 17 have received a diagnosis of ADHD, and that about one in five boys will get one during childhood, get a diagnosis of ADHD. It's <laughs> one in five boys. Off the charts. 20%. It's very ridiculous. 20% of boys, ADHD. They're uh, not just a pre pre uh, precocious young boys who are rambunctious. It's, oh my God, you have a psychological disorder. 
Yeah. A vast majority of them are put on medications such as methylphenidate, commonly known as Ritalin, or amphetamines like Adderall, which often calm a child's hyperactivity and impulsivity, but also carry risk for growth suppression, insomnia, and hallucinations. And for those of you who don't know, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people know because Adderall is being abused, but Ritalin is almost chemically indistinguishable to cocaine. It is biochemically uh, a clone. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a, a lab-created cocaine that they're giving to children. What's most upsetting about this is that children below age four are not covered in the guidelines for diagnosis because hyperactivity and impulsivity are developmentally appropriate for toddlers. I mean, that's just... That's exactly right. They're crazy kids. It's, 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 it's within the range of behavior, acceptable behavior, or normal behavior. Yeah. The effective non-pharmacological treatments, such as teaching parents and daycare workers to provide more structured environments for children like this, uh, are often ignored. Families of toddlers with behavioral problems are coming to the doctor's office for help, and the help they're getting is too often a prescription of a class 2 controlled substance, which has not been established as safe for that young of a child. And it puts these children and their developing minds at risk and their health at risk. But well, who cares about that, right? Well, and also, especially if they have the genetic makeup and if they've experienced trauma related to being future addicts. I mean, we could be creating like a super race of addicts. Well, and that's what's disturbing about the number of children that are being given a diagnosis that are on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. You know, people who are on Medicaid, children that are on Medicaid. Easy money because it's government. Well, they're on Medicaid because they're poor. Yeah. And these children are coming from poor families where likely they aren't having structured parenting. Their parents can't cope. You know, who who knows what the situation might be. Uh, one doctor in this article says in acting out and being hard to control children, these children are signaling the chaos in their environment. Of course, only some homes are like this, but if you have a family with domestic violence, drug or alcohol abuse, or a parent neglecting a two-year-old, the kid might look impulsive or aggressive and the parent might just want a quick fix. And the easiest thing to do that is to medicate. Unfortunately, Doctors are willing to just prescribe drugs as an easy fix. Right. And it's not an indictment of all parents who are poor. I really liked this quote from a Daily Beast article that kind of summed up this situation. They said, using medication rather than consistently and patiently helping these children learn self-control robs them of a necessary part of cognitive development. Parents need to help their kids learn boundaries, behavioral expectations, and how to control their own impulses. And replacing this education with Ritalin does them a grave disservice with potentially long-term behavioral ramifications. Yeah, long-term. Sometimes maybe irreparable harm is done. And I know it's hard. There probably are, you know, toddlers that are far more chaotic than a normal toddler and parents truly want help. And maybe there is something wrong with some of these toddlers and maybe they do have symptoms of ADHD but the thing is drugs aren't the best way to go about doing that and the first step before medicating should be trying everything well especially sorry but especially drugs aren't the best way to do it 
when they're untested for that age group. You have no idea how it's going to affect their young minds, their young developing minds. We, you don't fucking know. The FDA hasn't, I mean, the, the, the American Psychological Association, all these organizations haven't done enough research to know exactly what's going to happen. We could be fucking these kids up permanently. So, bummer. Getting it wrong again in your perspective field. <laughs> well, it's not just my field because a lot of times medical doctors, you'll, yeah, go, no, in, you'll go into a, uh, yeah, an urgent sure. care center and it's a medical doctor. And yeah, let's sure. say, you know, you have an anxiety problem and yeah. you go in and you tell him, oh, I have an anxiety problem. And they just take out that pad and they write you a prescription for Xanax. Do they ask you about your uh, past family history of addiction? I think I think some reform needs to happen relative to regular medical general practitioners prescribing psychotropic drugs there just needs to be more education about psychology i think in medical doctors i know they have to take some but i don't know how much because we're having a lot of issues with people not understanding addiction doctors prescribing drugs to addicts people with a history of addiction you don't well i won't i won't even put the question to you i would say i would say that uh, uh, your normal everyday GP, general practitioner, needs a far greater amount of education where it relates to psychopharmacology. Yeah. All right. We're going to lighten the mood. I think we're fucking ruining everybody's day right now. Sorry. Yeah, that... but you're getting smarter, so that's good, right? <laughs> it ruins my day. It gives me headaches. That's what I told you. I said it was getting too heavy no, and you wanted to keep talking it about it. It ruins my day. When I get smarter, because my head hurts. Oh, okay. Because there's only so much room in this empty cavity that I have for a brain. Yes. And as I learn new things, other stuff has to be pooped out. Yes. And by pooped out, I mean pooped out. Your brain just doesn't get more convoluted like a normal person? No. And by convoluted, I think you mean the ridges and recesses in the brain. Yes. See? I learned that from you. Okay. And I had to lose... I forgot how to break my car. (laughs) I forgot how to do that. Wow, that's not good. Yeah, see how it works? Yeah. It's terrible. So let's move on to uh, a Rhode Island. Oh, awesome. I used to live in Rhode Island when uh, when I was in the Marine Corps. Oh, my God. <laughs> how dare you do that? I was waiting for you to say it, and you didn't say it. Uh, I don't want to talk about it every day. I love talking about it. I know. It. We all know. It's my favorite thing. I served my country in the United States Marine Corps. So concerned that an annual honors night for students is too exclusive, officials at a Rhode Island school have decided to scrap the event. An email sent out to parents of students at Archie R. Cole Middle School in East Greenwich said students who would normally be honored at the spring event would instead be recognized during team-based ceremonies and graduation. (laughs) Total bullshit. What's awesome about this is it's too exclusive. But they they put it in this light that it's going to be too exclusive, like, oh, it's just the rich kids, and we don't want to just single out the rich kids because the poor kids will feel bad. What about all the poor kids who are future first-time college students in their families? who've busted their asses and are craving the recognition for the fucking ridiculous hard work they've put in. 
kids who aren't just born with brains, who have done the work, put in the hours of study, they want to be recognized. They've earned this night, and the school's going to yank it away because of some bullshit political correctness. For sure. I remember in elementary school, we had like a contest where if you got the highest score, maybe on a multiplication exam, or you just did the best on your multiplication tables, you had the opportunity to get taken to the teacher's lounge with the teacher and she would buy you either a soda can or a full size candy bar. And anytime something sugary is involved, you bet your ass I'm going to be getting that. So that's big time. Yeah. Full size candy bar. Yeah. We're not talking about mini bite or snack size. What are they called? Yeah. Snack size. Is it snack size? Yeah. Like the Halloween size ones? Yeah. Hmm. We're talking about full size. Yes. Yeah. And I rocked those multiplication tables and I was able to get walked to the teacher's lounge with my teacher in second grade and it was awesome and I felt super cool and special and smart and I got a candy bar. I, however... And then I walked back to class and smugly ate it in front of everybody like, hey, take this, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I didn't do that. And I smugly ate it in front of everyone. My full-size candy bar. That you probably had a double fist because you were such a small kid. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I actually went to school in an age where they were still beating children. Oh, okay. Cool. I never actually got spanked, but I had siblings. You know, I have not my youngest brother, but my middle brother, who's, I think, been described as more of a troublemaker on the show. Uh, I've watched him get... I think they called them smacks or hacks. I went to a small, really small school. Uh, the entire town's school, elementary, middle school, and high school was one building. It was a bigger building, but it was everything was in one place. New that Me- sounds terrible. New Meadows, Idaho. I think we had more bars than churches, less than 1,000 people. I think it was 954 Again, this sounds like the worst place in the world. It was fucking terrible. And they wielded the paddle on kids. and To motivate you to be better? No, no. To punish you for being bad. Oh, okay. I thought this was like no, an honor No, not a motivation. Thing. No, it's just, it's a weird age that we've, we've shipped, we've, we've crossed the, 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 the threshold from, from the one extreme to the other. That we've gone from from fucking um, whipping kids, having teachers and untrained people discipline children, and not even their children. Let me tell you something. You don't put your fucking hands on my kids. Goddamn. And I can't imagine why my mom would allow any teacher to fucking do that. But we've crossed, we've gone too far. So now it's, oh, we were spanking you, but now oh, everybody gets a trophy. Everybody's just as good. We need to train kids that when they get out in the world, they're going to understand people are going to be rewarded for the hard work that they put in. That's the world we live in. Yeah. This email sent out to all the parents signed by both the principal and the assistant principal said, this will afford us the opportunity to celebrate the individual and collective successes of all students and their effort, progress, and excellence. The email added that members of the school community have long expressed concerns related to the exclusive nature of honors nights. 
An eighth grader at the school expressed disappointment that the night was canceled. Quote, that made me want to work harder and a lot of other people work harder. So just the fact you can't work toward it anymore, then there is no goal. Profound. Profundity from a child. And it does make sense. It's a bummer because there, when I was in school, I remember all these turds that were just turds. I, I would have been one of those totally turds. unsuccessful, like back in the class yeah. with their their you know not giving a shit their goth hair covering their face uh, and their matrix jackets, and it's you know they weren't doing any work. Redheads typically aren't dressed in goth. That would have been terrible for me. But yeah, I that would have been even worse. But I didn't put any work. In fact, if any of my high school teachers are listening right now, I would hope that you know that I've read a lot of books since high school. And although I was intelligent in high school, I didn't do a fucking thing. I did just enough to get by. That's unfortunate. And I was intelligent enough to know just how much I had to do to get by. Yeah. And had they cracked the fucking whip a little bit more, maybe I would have been better and done something with my life instead of just being a... An unpaid podcast host. <laughs> yeah. Or United States Marine. Oh, my God. <laughs> How dare you? So, there's listen, there's a couple things I want to talk about. And we're going we're gonna to relatively shortly wrap this up. But very recently, there has been this, this tumble, this tumbling of states that are getting... Um, Courts are overturning their bans on gay marriage. And a lot, I've seen it online a lot on the Facebook that, oh, congratulations, Idaho. Oh, congratulations, Oregon. Congratulations, Arkansas. You did it. And that their their gay rights bans are being overturned. But I think the congratulations, for one, is a little early. And also, it's not directed in the right spot. These states aren't doing anything to end gay marriage. It's a federal court that is overturning their state-imposed ban. For, for instance, Oregon, Idaho, and Arkansas, specifically those three, they have state legislation that banned gay marriage in their state, and a court overrode that. There wasn't, there wasn't like some voter referendum that ended gay marriage, it's a federal court. So let's hold off with the praise. There's still backwards-ass bullshit going on, and they need to be held to account. Those voters and the states in general need to be held to account for the, for the, the oppression that they're involved in. So Pennsylvania, Oregon, Utah, Idaho, Arizona, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Michigan, Virginia... Fuck you. Fuck you. All right. That was, uh, this is a little longer than normal. I think Dr. Peak kind of pissed us off. Just a little bit. <laughs> he certainly pissed me off. So if any of you know of anyone in the Montana psychiatric community or in the state house or whoever controls, what would it be? The, uh, Amer the, the board of psychiatric treatment or whatever in that state, get a hold of them. Or send us the number, send us the link to to let them know what the feelings are of the rest of the country, because that gentleman doesn't need to be doesn't need to be practicing. So with that, just one more thing: everybody knows that Jesse was a Marine, right? Oh, mm, mm hmm, hmm, really great, nice.
Now maybe you'll shut up about it. I, you know what? No, no, not now. Now it's every single episode. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm going to open every episode. In fact, I'm going to change the theme of the song to the Marine Corps hymn. From the halls of Montezuma to the... All right, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. <laughs> Brittany just fell asleep. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so anyway, we went a little long. Sorry about that, everybody. Good times were had by all, though. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate your support. Go check out the website, dollamore.com. We would love to have you buy something on Amazon. It would be a wonderful thing for everybody involved. You'd get a great book. You could buy the entire Christopher Hitchens collection, one book at a time, through the website. And we would get a little credit for it. It would actually let me upgrade my equipment so we could bring you a better show. Guests. Interviews. Delicious entertainment. <laughs> Brittany is still asleep, by the way. Yeah, I don't care about any of this. <laughs> so sorry we came down on you a little heavy with this episode. It actually didn't mean to be. I just got really pissed off. So that's the way it works. So for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been the 23rd episode of I Doubt It. And anytime something sugary is involved, you bet your ass I'm going to be getting that. And then I walked back to class and smugly ate it in front of everybody. Like, hey, take this, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>